0: It's 30, right? That clock is right. 8.32. Okay, so we are now live on... Okay, uh, hold on one second. dope? Okay, so um, we are live at the Lighthouse Project. And um, the nightly sponsors are Durze, Durzey, L'Ilui Nishmat, her mother Chaya Bat Yosef Zichrona L'Vracha, and for the zivug of Tzipora Bat Chaya, may she have a long and healthy life. Jason Saka, in honor of Gidalya, for all of his tireless efforts to travel and spread the Torah across the country. In memory of Devorah Feigah Bat Shmuel Zichronal and for the refuah Shalema of Menachem Mendel Bat And my personal um, uh, dedication, I'd like to dedicate this class to uh, Razel Bas Miriam for good health. Just give me your email on the, before you leave, and I'll go ahead and get it to you, okay? You can do it right now. It's broadcast on Facebook? It's on Facebook right now, yes. Sorry about that, people. Okay, so, tonight's class is called Purim Cotton Sleepless in Shushan. Yep. Yeah. So, let's first talk about the modern-day issue, and then I'll, I'll, we'll discuss why we're talking about Purim. It's a month away. So... There is a saying, and the saying is, "What doesn't kill you makes you stronger." However, there's also a saying, the response saying of, "Dear God, I am strong enough, thank you." So we are taught as children and taught as adults that the darkness and the hard times in our lives are here to make us stronger. However, when do we get to tell God that we are at our preferred weight and muscle mass ratio without wanting to get any stronger? How can we choose to not have any more darkness, challenges, or suffering anymore in our lives? It's okay. We're, we're happy where we are with our strength, our spiritual strength. Let it be. And as we sing on Pesach, let it be enough. Now the question is, can we at all say this to God? Can we tell God, God, I know that you're putting me through this in order that I should get stronger. I'll tell you what. Thank you, but no thank you. I won't get spiritually stronger, but don't also put me through this. Okay? So can we? And the answer is yes. But there's one caveat. We can say yes when we handle the one and only darkness, struggle and suffering of our lives. There is ultimately only one struggle and it plays itself over and over and over and over and we get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. But if we're willing to handle this one correctly, then we can tell Hashem, Dayenu. Okay? Now, there's a Chinese proverb that says, No light is complete without its darkness. Shadow. Right? Well, surprise, surprise. It's actually in the Zohar. The Zohar, Volume 1, 46a, says on the verse in Genesis, and it was the evening and the morning of day one, that in order to have a one complete day, there must be an evening and a morning. In other words, a day, light, and a night, darkness. So yes, there's going to be a night, darkness, challenges or suffering in our lives. Whether it be health, financial, mental, or emotional, in some form or shape, there's going to be a day and a night in our life. Day represents light, peace, and night represents darkness and suffering. However, what we will learn is that if we deal with it right, then we don't need to go through it anymore. So, this lecture is based on a Mimer, a Hasidic teaching, a mystical teaching of the Rebbe, Blessed Memory, delivered in 1965, delivered in 1965 about the miracle of Purim, of which the book of Esther states, chapter 6, verse 1. Balailahu. On that night the king's sleep was disturbed. Okay? Now the introduction. So this introduction is going to be a little bit about technicality of the orbits of the moon and the sun, okay? So, in order to keep the lunar calendar, which is made up of 354 days, and the solar calendar, which is made up of 365 days, in order to synchronize them, we have amongst our years, we have a leap year. And that means that we have 13 months instead of 12 months. Now, why is it important to do that? And the reason why it's important to do that is just one reason. The Biblical dates of our holidays are on the lunar calendar. That's the Jewish calendar. However, in the verses, we also talk about the holidays having agricultural names. Chaga Bikurim, the holiday of the first fruits. Chaga Asif, the holiday of the ingathering of the produce. Thus, agricultural seasons work by the sun. The date of our holidays, work by the moon. Now, if we don't straighten out those 11 days difference between the lunar orbit and the solar orbit, add them up, 11, 22, 33, before long, 66. Before long, for example, Khagabikurim, which is supposed to be in the spring, the first fruits, now ends up being in the fall. We can't have that. Therefore, in the Jewish calendar, you also have a leap year of 13 months, okay? Now which month is the 13th month? The month of Adar. So now we have in our leap years, as we have in this year, Adar one and Adar two. Now Adar is the month in which we celebrate the holiday of Purim. Thus there's the whole question in the Talmud, which is the extra month, which we celebrated in the first or the second. There's a reason that gives that we celebrated in the second Adar. However, in the first Adar, we also celebrate it, but it's called Purim Katan. So we don't do the commandments that we spoke about, which is the, the giving the gifts of, for the food, or the food and to give the gifts to the poor and to read the Megillah and to have a meal. We don't do that. But we do have the law brought down in the Code of Jewish Law that says tov lev mishta tamid from Purim Katan we should add on in joy. And in general, it's good to be joyous. That's what it says. So, yesterday was Purim Katan, the 14th of Adar One. Today is Shushan Purim Katan, which is the 15th of the month. Therefore, we're going to, in order to celebrate this Purim on a spiritual meal level, we're going to have a lecture, an exploration about Purim. Okay, so now we know why we're talking about Purim today. Okay, another one introduction. Who's on first? So it's important to understand that spiritually and physically are mirror reflections. Now when you have a mirror reflection, what is on the right becomes on the left, what is on the left becomes on the right. For what we're talking about, it's not right and left as much as it's top and bottom. So what is physically to us on the bottom tells us that it's spiritually on the top and the same vice versa. So let's talk about how this works. So we have light and we have darkness. To us down here in the physical realm, light is higher than darkness. Right? How does it work spiritually? Spiritually, A light that can reveal itself, by definition, has to be a lower light. Because revelation means that there's description and there's a defined capacity and form. So So, therefore, on a spiritual level, here you have the notes. On a spiritual level, if the light is revealed, that tells me that this is of the lower finite light which can reveal itself from here we learn out that darkness what is darkness on a spiritual level darkness means we're talking about a light an infinite light that transcends beyond being able to express itself in a finite definitive form and shape thus it can't reveal itself So while down here, darkness is the absence of light, and light is defined as holiness, divinity, warmth, peace, love, in the spiritual level, darkness is not the absence of light, but rather the magnitude of light, which is beyond expressing itself in any definitive form. Okay? With that introduction, let the lecture begin. Okay? By the way, um, let me just say one more thing because we're going to get into it. Uh, in, uh, in, um, especially when we're talking about the darkness, that not, that's not your regular darkness of night. But there's a this and there's a that. And we're going to talk about what that means. That is darkness. Night is darkness. This is revelation. And day is revelation. We're on page two okay okay so with that being said let's jump into the lecture as always we're going to give a list of mystical concepts that we have to explain and after we have the mystical concepts we'll come back to make it practical in how do we tell hashem dayenu we don't want to have no more suffering and darkness that we have to overcome and get stronger from okay so here's the list guys gals The strength of the Miracle of Purim. B, sleeping with our eyes closed. C, living in darkness. D, waking up. E, infinite light, upwards and downwards, direct light and rebound light. F, this day, that day, this night, that night. And then finally, the Miracle of that night okay let's jump into this and everything will make very clear practical sense so there's a great sage who is called a blessed memory rab yakov alevi molin and he wrote a book which is called Minhoge maharil maharil is morenu harav Yaakov yud Yaakov alevi okay now he writes that when we reach the verse, chapter 6, verse 1, when we reach the verse where it says, on that night the king's sleep was disturbed, what should we say? We should raise our voice. The reader should raise his voice. And you'll notice that when you read the Megillah, you have all the verses. Here, if you want to just look in but, uh, together. You have all the verses, that you read, and it's actually a custom that each uh, chapter you get a little louder, but that one verse, that beginning of the verse, you'll hear everyone go, the reader always goes loud. And that comes from this great sage, the Maril. In his book, Minhagi Maril, he says to do that. What is the reason for that? Because that is Ikerhanes, the main part of the miracle the fact that on that night, the king's sleep was disturbed, okay? Now, before we get into the mystical side, which is the real thing that he says and explains, however, I want to just tell you practically speaking. Until then, things were going bad. Ahasuerus gave his ring to Haman. Haman already made his decree and sent it out. Now, what happened was that Haman wanted to expedite Mordechai's hanging He didn't want to have to wait until the allotted day. So therefore, that night, he comes to the palace. On that night, the king can't sleep. And he goes ahead and he says, I can't sleep. Read for me from my diaries. Tell me what's going on. All of a sudden, he remembers that Mordechai told Esther that he overheard that two guards, Bixam and Seresh, are trying to poison him. And he said, he asked them, does it say in my diary what I rewarded him? No. All of a sudden the king says, Who's in my courtyard? Which one of my advisors? And they answer Haman. Haman's coming to get Mordechai hung. Achashraish calls him in because he wants to know what he should reward Mordechai for saving the life. Thus, on a practical level, Balilahu Nodadashnata Melech is the beginning of the miracle. But that's not what we said here. He didn't say it's the beginning. He uses two languages the main of the miracle, and he also uses the word tokfoy, the might, the power, the might of the miracle. This is the might of the miracle. This is the most important, most powerful point of the miracle. We need to understand this, okay? In order to understand this, we're going to have to first understand what was the grave danger that the Jewish people were going through prior to this, to this uh, miracle. So obviously we know the physical danger, right? You know that this was the only time the Jewish people ever in history faced annihilation. Because one of the things God says to us in Deuteronomy when he gives us rebuke, he says, and I will scatter you amongst the nations. And our sages say this was a kindness. Because if you look in the history of the Jewish people, when the Sephardic Jews were suffering, they were able to run to the Ashkenazic Jews who helped them. When the Ashkenazic Jews were suffering, they had the Sephardic Jews. So it was always... There was never a point of a fear of annihilation. But if you look at the Megillah, what's the first thing it tells us? And Ahasuerus was the king of 127 provinces, which basically was all of civilized earth, civilized world. Thus it means that all the Jewish people were, under his, were all his subjects. And from that point, when Haman writes out a decree that all the Jews in the king's kingdom will be killed, we're talking about total annihilation. It was the darkest moment ever in the Jewish history. But obviously everything that happens down here is a reflection from up there. So let's understand mystically what was going on, okay? So in order to understand this, we have to understand the issue of the spiritual darkness. So number one, it said in the verse that night, the word night, in Kabbalah, and in, not only in Kabbalah, but the sages use it as exile. Day is redemption, freedom, and night is a sign of exile. And what happens on the time of exile? The verse says, Ani the verse says in songs that I am asleep, and the Zohar on this verse explains, Bigalusa. When does it mean God is asleep? What does that mean, so to speak, he's asleep? What it means is that it's in exile. Now the word this and that are opposites. Our sages tell us that when the verse says, Zeth keli this is our God and we will beautify him. That's what we say in the song of Moses after the splitting of the sea. So our sages say, what does it mean this? It says, He pointed with his finger. We were actually literally able to point to God. This is my God. So this is revelation. From here is extrapolated that the word that, not this, but that, that is concealment. You can't point with your finger and say that. This is when you point with your finger. It's present. It's right in front of you. You see it. That is... Is concealment so we have night versus day which means concealment we have that versus this which is concealment thus we'll now understand why purim is all about the heroine esther now if you look into the megillah um which ver, chapter 2 verse 7 uh, yes it actually says there it introduces esther by her real jewish name Hadassah, which is Esther. Esther is not a Jewish name, Esther is a Persian name. You know that there are two famous people that in the Torah we don't know them by their Hebrew name. We know them by their secular name. For example, Moses was put into a basket, that's the first one, when he was three months old. So he already had a name from his mother and father. And the Gemara talks about what it was. Who do we call him by? The name that the Egyptian princess gave him. Moshe, Esther, her Hebrew name it says clearly in the verse was Hadassah and yet what do we call her? Esther Esther. now the word Esther in Persian means beautiful however when we talk about the Hebrew meaning of the word Esther so even though it's not a Hebrew word it has a Hebrew meaning and the Talmud takes it to the verse of rebuke that talks about exile in Deuteronomy And it says, Haster, Aster. At this point, please take out your handout. So you see over here, in Hebrew, the bottom one says, Esther. If you look on the top, it says, Haster, Aster. Now, if you take the top, Aster, the Yud serves as a vowel, it gives it the E sound. But if you take it out that vowel, you have the exact same letters as Esther. So what does the verse say? The verse says and hide, I will hide my face on that day because of all the evil they have committed when they turn to other deities. So the word esther means concealment, just like the word night. However, the verse doubles it. It doesn't say astir, it says hastir, astir. Hide, I will hide. Thus you have the double concealment, just like the words balayla Hahu. That, not this, night, not day. Okay? Now, obviously, you know that the uh, Purim, as I told you, from a physical standpoint, it was the only night, the only time, where the entire Jewish people were facing annihilation. So that's a double darkness. From a spiritual point of view, out of all the 24 books of the Holy Scriptures, it is the only book which does not have God's name in it once. Another sign of concealment. God is hidden here in the Megillah. Okay? Now, with that. Let's understand what this, what this means. Okay? The verse tells us that God's asleep, so to speak. Right? Because here is what we're taught. We're taught that shnas that the word shnas the sleep of the king uh, physically it means King however our sages teach us that we're talking about which king? Malko Shel Olam king of all kings king of the universe so we're really mystically we're talking about so to speak as if god was asleep as the verse i shared with you it says i am sleeping and what does the zohar say bigalusa in exile god's in a state of sleep what does that mean god's in a state of sleep first of all you know the famous verse right he yanum below yishan shomer Israel. God does not sleep, the guardian of Israel. So we're going to talk about that. But over here it just says that there's this metaphorical spe- talking of God as sleep. And Maimonides tells us in his book, "I to perplex whenever you have... I'm not going to say this word right, but there's a special long scientific word for when you use human attributes towards God. So whatever that word is... <laughs> So whenever we do that, Maimonides says what you really have to do is shed the physicality of it and see what the message is. So we're gonna look at what goes on when a person sleeps and then we'll be able to apply this, so to speak, to God. So when a person sleeps, what happens? There are certain properties of when you see a person sleeping and the first one that's most revealed to us is the eyes are closed, there's no seeing. We also know that there's no hearing. The ear isn't bringing the sound waves to the conscious mind. And the third thing is that the mind is in a total different state. And the relationship of the mind and the body, the influence that the mind has over the body, is diminished, severely diminished. Okay? With that being said, let's now understand what this means. In the service of God, what is the focus of our service of God is to see God. What does it mean to see God? How do we see God? In this week's Torah portion, God tells Moses, no one can see my face and remain alive. What does it mean to see God? So we're taught from a verse, right? That seeing God, seeing God means that who is the wise one? Ooh, I'm sorry. See me, but Eila. Who created all of this? From the Talmudic standpoint, we're told in the intractic Talmud that says, Ezuachakam, who is the wise one, Haro'e et Hanolad, who sees the outcome. Now, the exact word for in Hebrew for outcome isn't really outcome. It doesn't say totsa. It says hanolad, which means the birth, the creation, right? Thus the al comes along and he gives us a mystical understanding of that Talmudic statement. E'zehuah <speaking in Hebrew> who is the wise one? The one who is capable, <speaking in> haroya, <Hebrew> who sees, es <speaking in Hebrew> from where everything was created. And thus he or she immediately sees, yesh balabayit Labidazu. There is a master of the home to this palace, God. And thus the person then goes on to see, well, if God is the one who created everything, so we start seeing God in everything, then he questions himself, what is the purpose of my existence? Why did God create the universe? Why did God create me? Thus we come to the verse that tells us, and let's read it, the exact verse. Sorry about that. Let's find this here. So thus the verse tells us in Isaiah, I made the earth and I created man upon it, okay? Mystically, I'm gonna reread that verse to you now. We're on page four. What does that pasuk mean? And person, I created. So mystically, we read the verse like this. I made the earth. Why did I make the earth? For the man that's upon it. Why did I make the man upon it? Because of created. What does that mean, because of created? The Hebrew word for I created is what? Barati. Please go back to your handout. You'll see that I wrote the numerical value of the word Barati, which is 613. So I have created the earth for the sake of man. Why have I created man? Because of Barati. Barati equals 613. There are 248 positive commandments, and there are positive and thou shalt do. And then there are 365 prohibitions. You add them both together, 613. So, what is the verse really telling me? What does it mean to see? To see that God created everything, and to see that why did God create everything? Is because of us, the human being. And why did God create the human being? Because of the Torah. That's called being awake and having your eyes open and hearing. And then you have the next level, which is the mind influences the body. When I see this and I hear it, it will influence how I behave, what I do and what I don't do. Okay? Now let's go one more step further. The same concept is extrapolated from the first word of the Torah. What is the first word of the Torah? Bereshit, which means in the beginning. Right? The sentence says, In the beginning are created the heavens and the earth. Now, the word Bereshit, our sages extrapolate, should be broken into two and read Bet Reshit. Two Reshits. Reshit means head, primary, principles. Thus, you should know that the world was created. Bereshit, because of these Bet Reshit, that's why he created the heaven and the earth say our sages which two reshits so they bring two different verses one refers to the jewish people as reshit one refers to the torah as reshit now we see what the verse is mystically telling us god created the world for the jewish people to be able to fulfill the 613 commandments of the Torah through which they will transform this egocentric world of me, 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 me into a selfless, transparent home for God. <laughs> so let's go further. Oh. So now that we understand what all this means. What happens with God? So first of all, I want to share with you something. There is a mystical teaching which is built on the verse in Psalms. God is your shadow at your right hand, at your right side. Now what does it mean God is our shadow? The word God is your shadow says to me, that we are the primary movers and the shadow reacts to us. So what it's really telling us is that God is always in reaction to us. Go off the notes for a moment. If you realize every parent and every teacher is in the same situation, how you're going to treat your child or student, whether it's gonna be reward or punishment, is all gonna depend on what they respond to. So really they're in the driver's seat and we're just reacting. And that's why very often we'll tell our children it doesn't have to be this way. Your choice. God is telling us the same thing. He's our parent and He's telling us it's up to you. You move right, I'll move right. You move left, I'll move left. Thus, even this notion, this concept of Balaila Hahu on that night, this concept of night and this concept of sleep is where God is reacting to us. Thus, when we are in a state of sleep with our eyes closed, we don't see the me, bara, ele. We don't see that everything was created by God. We don't see that there is a master of the house to this palace that we live in called the world. And when we don't see that everything exists because God chose us to use everything for Torah and mitzvot, and therefore our mind is not influencing our behaviors, our thoughts, speech, and action, thus God reacts the same way. What does it mean? What it means is that we are, the verse says in Deuteronomy, Bonim Atem La'Hashem You are the children of God. If we are the children of God, then obviously God gives us all goodness spiritually and physically. That's what seeing and hearing would be for God. For God to see that we are the amechad Ba'aretz, that we are His children. And then that would influence how God behaves with us. of asleep means, so to speak, that God is not seeing this, God is not hearing this. And Kabbalistically, what it means is that the three higher emanations of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, the intellect, has ascended and disconnected from the seven emotion emanations. And through the emotion emanations is how the world is run. Thus you have kindness, justice, so forth and so on. So when there's a disconnect, state of sleep, It means that even though we should be in a situation of you are the children of God and therefore everything good is bestowed upon us nevertheless because God is not quote-unquote seeing it hearing it or allowing this knowledge to affect his emotions of the what he does practically speaking that means we're in a state of suffering physically and spiritually now let's talk about what darkness means What does darkness mean to us? Darkness only means one thing. Nothing changed reality. What is, is. Whether you see it or you don't see it. What changes is that you see it. Thus, nothing changes that we are the children of God. The fact is the fact. That's the way it was created by God and that's what it is. However, being in darkness means that it's not seen. And when it's not seen that we are the children of God, we're in a state of persecution and exile. So when we, in our service to God, are in a state of sleep, when we, in our relationship to God, is in a state of darkness, nothing changed. God is the master of the universe. God is the one who, who literally, by hand, takes care of every detail of my life. pratit, Everything is divine providence. But nevertheless, I refuse to see God's hand in all affairs of my life. That doesn't mean that God's hand isn't there. It means I refuse to see it. Thus, there's the reaction, the shadow, which is reacting, yes, you are my chosen children, but I'm not going to see it. And you won't see it in what's happening to you. Okay? Thus, we now understand what's going on here with the Spiritual danger and suffering that the Jewish people went through in the first five chapters of the Megillah, in the first five chapters of the story of Purim. It was all getting deeper and deeper into night, into slumber, and then we have the double whammy of concealment, haster, haster, hide, I will hide, that it's now that night. And thus you have the two opening words. Of chapter 6 which kind of sums up everything that the Jewish people are going through that night okay okay so now let's move on to the next thing what's the next words in the chapter 6 the beginning and the might and the main of the miracle <inaudible> <inaudible> means disturbed the sleep was disturbed if the sleep was disturbed what that means in another word of english is wake up right now i want to share with you something it's a kabbalistic teaching when we talk about the holidays we talk about niskarim v'naasim niskarim that they were they, they are remembered v'naasim simply means that nasim means it was done we remember what was done that's not what the word says the verse says Niskarim Vina'asim. Thus Kabbalah says the Volve prefix and. So it's not that we remember what was done, and it doesn't mean that we do the traditions of the holiday, but on a mystical level, it's read the other way. Through Niskarim, by us remembering it, Naasim it happens again. Once again, the shadow effect. The shadow effect means that when we do the miracle. God once again does the miracle so on one hand Purim is not so many years old we're talking about Purim this year it's gonna happen now but how is it going to happen? God is your shadow if we do the miracle then Hashem will do the miracle how do we do the miracle of Purim? so now we understand that when the Maril tells us raise your voice when you say those words, what he's really telling us is don't raise your voice because remember. He's telling us raise your voice because that's how you do the miracle. And if you do the miracle, God is your shadow and he'll do the miracle. So the verse is not one of the raising, the custom of raising your voice by this verse is not one of remembrance, but one of enactment. What happens when you raise your voice when a person is talking loud what's happening number one it's intensifying your emotions some therapists used to believe it it helps you get out your emotions actually it intensifies your emotion thus it's interesting that it says not in my notes here but you should just know that in the code of jewish law for example it says that you're not supposed to do the Amidah loud if you do that midah loud, it's a sign of lack of faith. You have to talk loud for God to hear you. You have to say the words, not think them, but say them that you can hear it and the one right next to you can't hear it. The exception of the rule is Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Why is that the exception of the rule? Because the words is kol etakavana. The voice arouses the intentions. So number one, when you're saying something with a... Intense voice It's because it's coming from your depths But also Through saying it with a Intense voice A loud voice You're intensifying your feelings With what you're saying Okay Another thing that What happens when we raise our voice Is that you can hear it much further Thus let's talk about What we're doing When we raise our voice in What are we doing? What we're doing is we're intensifying our connection and our feelings for God and we're making sure that these feelings will travel further. When you scream loud, people further hear it. What does that mean in the uh, microscopic universe of me? What it means is that normally my head can be disconnected from my body. I know what I know, but it doesn't affect what I do and what I say. What Aristotle once asked. Does a mathematician become a triangle? So, you know, I, I know the Torah. Does that mean I become an observant Jew? But when we raise our voice with intensity, I'm not talking about shouting at someone. I'm talking about when you raise your voice and that you're davening or you're learning. That arouses the intensity and carries it further. What does further mean? A lower descent into my thought, speech and action. This causes the shadow reaction by God That number one It intensifies the unconditional love that God has for us And it travels further I.e. it descends even into The that night That darkness that was brought about by our previous behaviors Which were non-Torah behaviors So therefore, when Hashem raises His voice, He awakens, He raises His voice, what that means is He intensifies His unconditional love for us, which as an outcome is even when we're in the doo -doo because of what we did, you know, you made your bed sleep in it. No, when Hashem's voice, so to speak, rises, when Hashem's sleep is disturbed, then even when we made our own bed, Hashem still unconditionally love you, and I'm here to help you and save you. Okay? Now let's go forward with that. This is why, very interesting. It doesn't say that God woke up in the morning. It says, HaHu And that night, the Haster, aster, the hide I will hide in the double darkness of exile. Hashem woke up. Thus, the verse tells us, our sages tell us, I'm sorry, the Medrish Rabbah tells us that God sleeps like a deer. I didn't notice, I learned this from the Medrash. that a deer sleeps with one eye closed and one eye open. So, to Hashem, so to speak, when we had that verse in songs explained by the Zohar, that an eye am asleep in exile. We now know that Hashem sleeps one eye closed and one eye open. Thus, in Balaylahu, in the thick of that night, when he's sleeping, one eye is always open. Okay? Okay. Now that we understand all of let's get mystical. You with me? You following? No. It's going to be a quiz. No. <laughs> so what happens here? In order to understand that night, how do we explain it until now? We explain that night as a negative experience which is God being the shadow and in response to our service of God being in a state of that night asleep and darkness. Right? However, in the source of all things God is good and everything is good. There is no negativity. Thus you have to say that that night Is also good. Thus in my introduction I already shared with you that while down here light is greater than darkness, light is good and darkness is bad, you should know that up there it's quite the contrary. Light is a finite revelation and therefore it's light, while darkness is the type of infinite light which cannot reveal itself and express itself in any finite form. So now we're talking about, let's talk about that night as a higher level, not a lower level. To understand that, I need to take you to a mystical concept. In Kabbalah and Hasidus, when we have the description of the infinite light, we, expre- we express the what does it mean that infinite light? What's the infinity of God's light? It gives it in two descriptions, two opposite directions. It's infinite because myla myla ad enkets. It goes up. And up, above, above, higher and higher to no end. Mata mata aden It descends lower and lower to no finish. Thus the infinity of God's infinite light is expressed in two opposite directions: that it goes upwards and that it goes downwards. Now let's make sense of this. When a light goes downwards, what does that mean? It's going outwards, thus it reveals itself thus that is what we're going to call day that's what we're going to call light but when god's light instead of descending downwards to shine it's rather returning upwards into its source thus there is no revelation that we see that's what we're going to call night and darkness now you understand why night is greater than day and why darkness is greater than light because day and light is descending downwards. It's getting lower and lower. While night and darkness is the light becoming higher and higher within its source. With me so far? Still make sense? Okay. Now that we understand that, I want to share with you another way that it's worded. Others word the description of these two aspects, infinite, infinity aspects of the infinite light as different wording. Instead of above, above, below, below, they simple words. Below, below is direct light. From above to below. While the above, above is rebound light. The rebound light is going up from below to above. By the way, a little bit of science, not in my notes, but a little bit of science. Why is it that the lower atmosphere, is hotter than the middle atmosphere? If the sun's coming from there, then the higher it is, closer to the sun, the hotter it should be. Yet we know that the middle atmosphere is colder than the lower atmosphere. The answer is because the lower atmosphere gets a double whammy. First it's hit by the direct light, bounces off and then has the strength of the rebound light now by the time the rebound light reaches the middle atmosphere it's not as hot so rebound light is stronger and greater than direct light now what does that mean would have told me i would have done my makeup anyway what does this mean to us what it means to us is that these two aspects of light which we call day and night, light and darkness, we are seeing that the day slash light is the direct light which is lower than the rebound light, which is what we call night and darkness because it's up. What does this mean to us practically speaking in our service to God, right? Everything is a reflection. I am your shadow, God says, right? What it means to us is, That direct light is Torah study and prayers. That's the light that comes from above to us. Spirituality, our souls. What is the rebound light? The rebound light is our bodies and our physicality, our secular life of earning a living or whatever it may be. Now, what happens is in the direct light, there's the divinity shine from above to below. In our mundane, secular life, in our physicality, within everything, there is hidden a very powerful, godly spark. Thus, when we refine ourselves, when we elevate the physical, when we do tikkun for our character defects, those sparks within us, which come from Tohu, the higher realm, are elevated up to its source. Thus, we have in our very service to God, we have both sides of the infinite light, and we have that service which causes, remember, I am your shadow, so therefore that causes which light we're going to experience down here. So lo and behold, when we're dealing with our spirituality, we're experiencing the lower light of below below direct light when we're embracing the truest shlichut mission of our soul our soul didn't come down in this world to be spiritual it was much more spiritual up there it came down in this world to do tikkun tikkun olam tikkun of the midot our attribute our character to do mitzvot with the physical which is how we do tikkun olam when we embrace that And now we're in the rebound light, coming from below to above, bringing the sparks from below up to the highest level above. We're experiencing the higher light of above, above, to no end. To no no end. Thus, in our service, there is direct light, spirituality soul. There is rebound light which is about the body and the physical and the secular part of our life. And when we serve God through the direct light, we're drawing back the shadows reacting to us, giving us the spiritual direct light. And when we're serving God in the secular and the mundane, working it out from inside out, from below to above, then we're drawing down upon us the greater light, the above, above to no end, the night, the darkness, ultimately that night. Make sense so far? You guys are with me still? Okay. Now that we understand these two properties, now we can talk about the four levels. This day, that day, this night, that night. Okay? Let's talk about them and how they work. So, the this and the that within day, right? This is revelation. That is that is concealment but we're talking about day so within light there is the this and the that there's the revelation there's the concealment right according to what we explained in Kabbalah that that is higher than this because concealment says it's infinite it can't reveal itself this says it can reveal itself it's finite That means, this day is lowest, that day is higher than this day. Okay? What does that mean to us? Let's talk about it in the simplest level. This day means when I study Torah, selichtig. There's light. What does that mean there's light? When I study Torah, I don't treat it like I'm studying Spinoza, but rather I'm studying the Word of God. There are those who separate the divinity from the Torah. Leave me alone with the divinity, with the holiness. I just enjoy the Talmud, it's genius. They say that Roy Black, uh, the lawyer Roy Black, he said that he went through the tractic Sanhedrin to work out his legal mind. And obviously it worked, Roy Black. (laughs) So, what are we saying here? That you can study the Torah in a this fashion or a that fashion. This means I see God, I see the author in his book. That means I deny the author in his book i'm just here to read the book i'm not here to talk to you about god i just want to know this this amazing piece of wisdom here as the verse uh, what does this what do we say about the torah this is your power of understanding to the world And am the when the world talks about the jewish people being smart we're talking about training with talmud okay that's one level of understanding The this and the that I want to take it up a notch again into holiness where that becomes higher than this this day talking about Torah study day spirituality sometimes you can study Torah and it flows I'm understanding it, it's beautiful okay sometimes you can go into a deeper study I'm not just skimming the surface I want to go deeper and when you go deeper you have questions and questions causes pain i don't understand hashem i don't get this what are you really saying here what do they really mean that what this and that and the ox and the cow and the gores and the tefillin and the pesach what what is going on here you have questions contradictions and what happens when you do that it doesn't you can't flow direct. There's no direct light. You have to deal with the rebound light. What's the rebound light? It's a process of elimination. Question, contradiction, cut away, chisel away, chisel away. And what do you end up having? A far more crystal crystal clear, deeper understanding. Thus, to the verse of Isaiah, and I'll read to you the verse. And whereof no one had ever heard, had ever perceived by ear, no eye has ever seen. And the verse concludes, you performed for him who hoped for you. Now the word for hoped is mechake. Right? Him who hoped for him. Now, l'mechake loy. The Targum not Kabbalistic the Targum which is one translator is two famous translators one is the Targum and ben Uziel he's the one that when he studied Torah if a bird would fly over him from the greatness of his Torah study the bird would literally get roasted from the heat that went up that, that spiritual flame there's another one which was the nephew of the emperor of Rome he's the more famous one that everyone studies it's printed in Chumash, and that is Onkelis his name was Unculus. now the Targum says about this What does it mean? You will make for him who waited for you. He translates the word wait from the word and he says here. Those who push deeper in the words of wisdom, Torah. Thus within Torah, there's the direct light and there's the rebound light, day, night. With it, I'm sorry not day night it's all day it's Torah study this that and again we see that, that that is higher than the this by not asking questions and not sweating and not rolling up your sleeves and, and getting into it difficultly, diligently with difficulties with difficulty questioning and understanding well, but does this really make sense well, how can you say this you end up with a greater a greater level okay that's the this and the that of day. What's about the this and the that of night? Night, we said, is the body, the physicality. What does that mean? The Mishnah says derecheretz. You and I usually refer to derecheretz as behave like a mensch. That's not what the Mishnah means. derecheretz means literally the ways of the land, it means earning a living. Tov Torah and derecheretz, good is Torah with derecheretz, what it means is that you should have a job now that is the secular part of our life that is the night part of our life we're earning a living out there so that is called night this night means okay I'm working and I'm earning a living and this revelation I, I talk to see how Hashem is directing me those chance meetings that changed my financial life and you know the story right Oh God, oh God, oh God, I'm running so late for the meeting. Please, 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 just find me, find me a parking spot and I will make a donation to the synagogue. Oh no, no, God, forget it. The guy just pulled out, I'm okay. You have a choice. This or that. On a deeper level, what does it mean that night? That night means that the night, the secular part of my life, the earning a living is painful, hard work. I'm not seeing Mazao. In a deeper level, it means the persecution of exile. Jews can't go to the regular colleges back in the day. And even today, we like to think that there's no anti-Semitism because there's a mask on anti-Semitism. But it exists. They only choose a Jewish doctor because they have no choice. It isn't because, oh, oh yeah, yeah, let's go with the Jewish doctor. I mean, I'm not sure, and I don't want to bring this up. I don't like discussing politics. I'm not sure if you saw what Farrakhan said. About uh, what the uh, Senator Omar said, there's no lack of of trying to earn a living in a hostile, anti-Semitic world. So there's that side which is that night, and usually, if you look at what the Torah says, why didn't the Jews listen to Moses when he came to say, "I'm here to redeem you"? God has sent me. It says, "Mikoytzer ruach maavodekasha." From hard work, which leads to short breath. Short breath spiritually means, I I can't even hear what you're talking about. Things are so dark. You talk to me about redemption and miracles. That night. So within day, there's this and that. Within night, there's this and that. However, when you find God in that night, it's far deeper. When you're willing to find God and see how God is holding your hand in the difficult, struggling darkness of working for a living. And you understand that it's God's blessing that guides us. Within the anti-Semitic world, within the doors being slammed in your face because you're Jewish. And you find God and you in every day and you pray every day because you're walking hand in hand with God. And when you make something, when you're about to eat something, you don't say... We say Baruch Ator blessed are you, God, who has created this, who has placed this in, in my possession. That's the that night. There's one more thing we have to talk about, and before we we, and this is going to lead straight into the closing. I told you that the might of the miracle is In that darkness, in the ultimate state of darkness, There's the awakening. Right? Now we have to understand what this means. When we talk about the light in the rebound light, which rebound means above, above, this night, revelation within the concealment, is when the light is going up into the source. That night is the ultimate power in which you have that night it's not going up into the source rather it is embodying the source and even higher than that which could be a source of light because a source of light is still connected to light light ultimately is connected to revelation revelation ultimately is connected to finite description so when we talk about that night on a spiritual supernal level we're talking about going beyond light beyond the source of light thus in this realm there's the essence which night and day light and darkness Nothing's a barrier for Him. That's how amazingly we can find God in the deepest darkness of it all. But I want to talk about what the might of the miracle. The might of the miracle is, there's two ways that supernal light, that night, on the supernal level, can save us from the lowly, negative, exile, darkness experience of night. One way is, The bull in the china shop. Who's going to tell the highest level that night where he could or can't shine? Not happening. So it overpowers, breaks the darkness, and voila, we have light. But what happens when that happens? What happens is that the darkness down here is darkness. Darkness. Right now, there was a hostile takeover, an imposition of the greatest light upon the lowest darkness, and thus it broke the darkness. However, what will happen later? What happens if we disconnect from the supernal that night? Then we're left with what? With the lowly negative darkness of exile light. Because that remained. It was shattered, but it remains. And later when... That supernal light says, "I'm out of here. You guys are such a bundesmendereksy. I'm out of here." What happens then? That Humpty Dumpty is put back together again, and we're left with the original dark, negative, suffering of night. But there's a different way. What happens when the 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 supernal that night, the infinite essence light? Not expressive light The essence light The essence What happens if instead of imposing hostile takeover Overpower, break It permeates and transforms What happens when it permeates and transforms is That we don't have to worry about the darkness Of the lowly darkness ever becoming dark again Because darkness itself has transformed into light You follow what I'm saying? That's why I always say to you people, wars are won in the classroom, not on the battlefield. In the battlefield, I'm breaking you. In the classroom, I'm transforming you. That's what we're looking for. Thus, you now understand that the might of the miracle is, we're still talking about that night. The real ultimate power is, That not when God breaks the night, but when God permeates into the night. Now the question is, how can darkness and suffering open itself up not to be broken, but permeated and transformed by the supernal that night? The answer is simple. When that night is the impetus... And the cause of us raising our voice connecting to that night because it is part and parcel and the impetus of it all thus it has opened itself up to be permeated and transformed this is all mystical the mere fact that the suffering caused us to reach out to God thus the suffering itself is Opened, it's permeated and transformed Now let's get practical in closing As long as we live within the verse in Psalms Hashem Hashem laHashem, natan God Heavens is yours What does that mean God Religion, spirituality, your domain. Prayer, Torah study, mitzvot, your domain. Doing business, going on vacation, my domain. Now what happens? What happens is that sometimes the business, to do business honestly is not always that easy. And to go ahead and have a vacation that's kosher, kosher not just in what you eat, but what you see and what you behave and what you do is not always easy. Thus, when we separate the heaven and the earth, heaven is God's, earth is mine, what happens? Sometimes earth, my secular life, can become very dark, very low, very chaotic. Thus, what do I have to do? I'm about to sin. I have to fall back on my spirituality and my commitment and hope that my spirituality can overpower my physical temptation desire and thus I grow stronger right the Talmud tells the story of a guy who went to a house of ill repute as he was getting undressed he saw a tzitzit he said oh my god what am I doing here he runs away but the bottom line is that when it's a hostile takeover, I'm falling back on my spirituality to overpower my innate physical paradigm of egocentric, me, 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 I want what I want and I want it now. Tomorrow, I'm gonna to have to deal with the same thing again. And I'm gonna to have to get stronger again. I'm gonna to have to get stronger again. What really we're learning in this whole mystical concept of on that night, disturbed god was sleep was disturbed he was awoken what we're really learning here is that we have to bring down the wall of the separation between heaven and earth my spirituality and my physicality my judaism and my secularism thus what we're really hearing over here is we have to focus on a different words a verse a verse in isaiah which says the whole earth is full of his glory what does it mean practically? What it means practically is that when I can finally get beyond that when I'm in my religious services, I'm a Jew. When in my secular world, I want to be just like the Joneses and the, the Toms and the Mackenzies and whatever it is. Right? So what happens when we do that? What happens is we're separated the two. And when in my secularism, I fall into a dangerous situation, I fall back on my spirituality to overcome it. Eh, you're a yid. What are you doing? But if I can finally get rid of that separation, the machitza, <laughs> We're all complaining about the machitza When well, we go ahead and we say enough of this machitza here. When I'm secular, I'm a Jew. When I'm living in my office, I'm a Jew. When I'm going on vacation, I'm a Jew. And your glory fills not only my religiosity and my spirituality, but my physicality and my secularism as well. If we can just once and for all face the real struggle and the real fight of suffering that we have, then the fight is over. If I can face finally to bring down that separation between my heaven and my earth, my soul and my body, my spiritual religiosity and my physical secularism. If I can see that when I'm in my secularism, I, I have to dive into Hashem. Oh yeah, broch. I didn't expect this bill. Hashem, help me. I'm going on a vacation. Yeah, but I'm going to be in Shabbat. Is there a shul around here? When I'm thinking that way, when I have the one good fight, To become stronger, it's over and it's done with. Thank you.